This episode is brought to you by the generous patrons who supported us over at patreon.com slash inspiration point. So we want to give a big thank you to our patrons, Kate, Prostaskius, Leroy, Tiana, Falangor, Spike, Chris, Konohamaru, Buyag, Starry, Red Dead Coquette, Logan, Punch and Potato, Jen Solo, Rajar, and Ty Monger. Thank you again for helping us to put a little more inspiration out into the world. And now, on to the show. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another thankful episode of Inspiration Point. I am Andrew. And I'm Adam. And we are once again joined with, uh, joined by, if I can speak correctly, by Mr. Robert Hans and Miss Tiana Hansen. Welcome back to the show, you guys. Howdy, howdy. Always good to be here. How's everybody doing? So tired. <laughs> I I woke up late and I'm I was like all groggy and I I went to sleep like it we had all the lights off in the house everything was shut down I was in my pajamas and I could not figure out where my phone was for the life of me so I went to bed going man I really hope I wake up in time to record which in case anyone knows it's 11 a.m. on the Pacific Coast. Um so it's like almost lunchtime. But your boy was up late uh cuz we had a little bit of a party. I was like, "Man, hope I wake up on time." Woke up 15 minutes before I had to come sit down here. So you guys oh. got me at like the crack of waking up. No, I uh got in at 4 a.m. yesterday and actually had to wake oh. up at 8 a.m at 8 a.m. yesterday to do stuff stars and so and then 9 a.m. was my wake-up call so um yeah i'm I'm running on fumage and you know i did a show last night that's always pretty physically exhausting for me Mm -hmm. how was my my kind of shows are not the ones where you're just kind of sitting there standing there singing nicely while standing in place it it was great fun it was a great fun it's a friend of mine's birthday uh so we had some pretty good bands down in houston and uh it it was fantastic a lot of fun. Adam, I don't think any of the shows. I don't think any of the shows that I've been to are the like standstill and just and just enjoy type of things. That that sounds mm. boring. That's uh, definitely not what I like doing. I mean, you know, there's some there's some shows that are more like that where it's a little less, uh, you know, let's act like idiots. But <laughs> I like acting like an idiot. <laughs> if this shows any indication, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I felt like I was coming down with something Friday night, and so I. NyQuil blasted myself, and then uh, I was basically comatose most of yesterday. And uh, that's a way to be. I the, the, for the time I was awake, I, I just laid on the couch and played God of War Ragnarok. Oh, I want to do that. <laughs> so, uh, someone send me a PS5 and that game, please. I know, <laughs> I know. I love my PS5. It's so amazing. Um. I don't Maybe think I can rent yours by mail, like like a blockbuster kind of thing. <laughs> I was no. gonna Send say, you Adam, you know, you know card. he knows where he you know he knows where you live, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He knows how to get here. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what I what I I I freaking knew. He's he's like 
you can come get it. And <laughs> the in the new house like, that, oh. we're, that we're building, um, we're already referring to uh, the Andrew room as uh, oh, one of the spaces. Yeah. You know, the little Hooray. our little office slash guest space that's in there. And so that's precious. You got to put a little the little plaque on the door like it's an office that I have. Uh, I'm going to have like a painting above the fireplace with like Andrew, like on a polar bear rug or something. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Reclining, <laughs> looking seductively towards oh, you. Oh, man. It's going to be great. <laughs> He's got some fake dice and, a, and some whiskey. Um, that's right. People uh, just I'm, to make everyone I'm, really uncomfortable when they come over. I'm the having feelings. I'm going to have to. I'll be back in about 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> the sign's going to say Andrew Gerson, professional wizard, lost items found. <laughs> what, how, how does it go? <laughs> no children's parties. No, no children's love parties. That's, no love that's potions. Was, yeah. no love no, potions. Nobody invokes right. or compels me as much as Andrew. Oh, <laughs> man. You know, that's that. No truer words have ever been spoken. <laughs> so I can be both invoking and compelling. In fact, I might have been uh, played God of War while you guys uh, were waiting for me to show up. Um, I knew it. I was like, it's either that or freaking Elden Ring. Yeah, which it's the only I played. I'm doing it really well because Elden Ring is like so hard. And so like I've been doing like everything like really on time. I've been like, man, this God, Elden Ring made me better at this game. And uh, the only trouble oh, yeah. is they swap uh, X and circle. And oh, so that's 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 it. <laughs> sometimes I'm trying to dodge and I I don't. So you can you, you can probably switch that in your uh, in your mapping. I probably could. But then I would be spending two seconds not playing God for <laughs> <You're gonna, laughs> how how crazy would that be if Elden Ring changed video game conventions to the point where like action rpgs and stuff started like when they have like the preset different control schemes you go into your controller it's like oh normal and elden then, ring you know southpaw and then elden ring and yeah. elden ring inverted and all that stuff oh man that they just call has. it that <laughs> I think it already has to a certain extent, like using the bumpers and the triggers for melee attacks. I don't recall before any of the uh, Souls games. That's yeah. true. Yeah, that's that that was a weird freaking thing to get used to. But yeah, I'll probably swap it because I think that's the only button that's like not the same. Every, mm. Everything mm. else is like pretty much exactly on even light attack, heavy attack um, and parry. Like it's all the same buttons. So that's really fun. Well, and you got to figure that the, you know, like probably just about all the guys working on God of War. I'm pretty sure they probably at least dabbled in a little bit of Elden Ring themselves. Oh, yeah. What about you, you, Tiana? How's it going for you? It's been a weird weekend, man. Like, cool. (laughs) Yeah. I I was over at my partner's house on Friday for uh, Thanksgiving dinner and then, you know, sat in the spare room and played (laughs) D&D. By yourself? Well, no, I mean, Adam was there and a few other folks, but (laughs) it it was our Friday night game. Um, but yeah, pulled away from all the social stuff to go play D&D because that's the kind of nerd I am. 
Yeah, I mean, that's social, too. Just not social with the people you're socializing with. <laughs> Way to commit. <laughs> Respect. You know, yeah. Um, and then my heat finally got fixed yesterday after oh. three weeks of being off. I'm so happy, mm. but it made me late heading to the studio for our wrap-up of our uh, Call of Cthulhu game, our last, like, Q&A. And then I got rear-ended on the highway on the way down. Oh, oh no. no. And I mean, it, it was it was a tap more than anything else. Scared the daylights out of me, but it didn't like do any damage. And the guy was nice. the guy was cool about it. He followed me to a, a like turnout and was like, "Oh my god, are you okay? I'm so sorry. This is what happened." And I was like, "Okay, you're not being a jerk about it." So mm-hmm. you know, oh I, 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 don't, I don't have room to be upset about it. But geez, <laughs> oh, we got, my got god. your blood up though. I'm it really did. So I, I should have been at the studio and poured a healthy dollop of rum into my drink for the night. Jeez, oh, <laughs> you know, uh, I, fair enough. I I gotta throw I gotta throw this out there because I this this story is too crazy not to relate. Given what Tiana just said. Um, speaking of being rear-ended on the highway, oh boy, there was a while back. When I was I was working for a for an MMO company here in the Bay Area, um, and if anyone knows the Bay Area, especially <laughs> between like San Jose and Mountain View, there's a stretch of Highway 101. Mm-hmm. For anyone who's never mm-hmm. been kind of out around Silicon Valley, 101 is one of the m- biggest freeways up in mm-hmm. our area. Um, I mean, you're talking like sometimes like six lanes on a side. It's flipping huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and where I was was kind of down around where Great America is. Okay. Um, and we were in rush hour morning traffic. And it's like we get to this point where it's bumper to bumper. I see the brake lights, you know, all starting to hit. So I slow down and I, you know, come to my appropriate stop. Well, and then out of nowhere, I hear these screeching tires and I look up into my rearview mirror and I see this SUV like coming up real fast. And there's like smoke billowing off its tires. It was like out of a freaking movie. And all of a sudden, like, I just feel my shoulders like tense up real quick right before I remember like, oh, God, I should probably relax. And this SUV slams into me oh my gosh probably going i would say they must have been going probably about 45 miles an hour like they were at full freeway speed and just barely saw that people were stopping and going that fast in rush hour traffic on 101 i mean right i i think we had been moving along at a fair clip and then it like just kind of rapidly slowed down i don't know Mm -hmm. but they hit me i hit the person in front of me they hit the person in front of them and they hit the person in front of them oh geez flipping nuts and then i'm sitting there and my poor prius which (laughs) great car to get rear-ended in kept me very safe the back end and front end squished like soda cans but the cabin wow. actually stayed relatively intact apart from the back window getting blown out. Um, 
So major props to Toyota. Thank you for helping me not be dead. <laughs> not sponsored. Uh, hashtag but, not yes. spawned, but hashtag could be yeah. spawned. Oh, that'd be. Could you imagine this? This this, this RPG podcast is sponsored by Toyota. Would that oh be my a, god! I think that'd be like the first time Toyota would sponsor a podcast. Are you right? I don't think that would I'm, be. I'm sure it would be, but to top it all off, I'm sitting there in in my smashed up car going what 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 happened and i look out because obviously you know if you can the driver gets out and you know they're trying to check if everyone's okay well the guy that walks up to me is my boss (laughs) from the job i was commuting to who was laid off like a week or two ago Wow. I mean, you did say it was you did say it was MMO, so you know. And, and he was ta- he was taking his girlfriend to our office, who wow. still worked there. But he comes up, he's like, Andrew. I was like, Oh, dude. <laughs> I was like, I just couldn't even process it for so I was Like, what? <laughs> What's happening? Oh, hey. Oh, hi, Mark. <laughs> yeah, like Oh yeah. hi Mark. <laughs> fancy fancy seeing you here. Thank I you, ju- one person. You, you and I are gonna have to share MMO stories one day. Yeah. Crazy done, things happen. Like Twenty years. I mean, you were even kinda in the same area too. You were like Redwood yeah. City and Yeah, I was right I lived in Redwood Shores. Uh my company I worked for Trident at the time was in Redwood right. Shores, right right next to EA and all those other companies right there. I had some friends from from that job I was at who moved over to to try on. Actually, there was a yeah. few folks that went over there. So, yeah, all that to say small world and you never know who who you might run into. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Or who you might be run into by. Yeah. You know. Well, so. we're, we're 14 minutes in. I, I recommend that we get going. <laughs> hey, you know, we're, we're making up for lost time because uh, we didn't get our intro in the last episode. So that's right. We've been pretty good about being on business. By um, God, we'll do yeah. it now. So uh, I, I understand. I understand you played some fate recently. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I ran it for the first time ever. So the the week prior, we did the session zero character building stuff, and it was, was really that? fun to go. Yeah, that was really fun too. Uh, the kids really liked it because one thing I've I've always had trouble with when it comes to teaching Dungeons and Dragons is kids don't do their homework, right? Mm. And and D and D is one of those things where it's like you kind of got to read it, right? If you're not spending time, you know, reading a page like a day. You know, you're really you're not going to know what you're doing and you're not going to memorize everything that you need to do. And I think they were I think it was a good fit for them to do something that was rules light where they could Mm -hmm. show up to club, not think too hard about it and let me kind of run the show. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think that was a very positive experience for them. And then it was even better this last week when we ran the first session. And uh, I think they had a really, really good time. Uh, They liked how much sort of freedom there was, how the rules were more implicit instead of explicit Mm. and more flexible. 
Yeah. And that they were able to, they like the idea of trading fate points. Like at first, you know, like people are like really holding on to them because they're not really sure when to use them. They're not mm. really sure. Oh, am I going to run out or whatever? Kind of like when we hoard inspiration points. Yeah, but, mm-hmm. it, but it's Sometimes. interesting to watch a player take an L and be happy about it because they're like, well, I get a fate point. Right. And that sounds wild. And that's great, you know, because I still get players, no matter what age group I'm working with, if they're not winning, they whine. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's very frustrating. Winning or, winning or whining. That's you a know, mood. Winning wow. or whining. And I get a lot of that, even from like, like adult players. And, yeah. and and I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like, love your ones, right? Read my article. But anyway, um, right. in, in you Fate, you actually get to love your ones one. because there is a trade. So well, I think I think one of the cool things I really like about Fate in that, and I found that it makes losses more acceptable. I mean, because A, you know that unless your GM's being a jerk, you're not going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, but That's also huge. because either you're getting something for the loss or at the very minimum, you're like, you know what? I could have bought my way out of this and I choose not to because I'd rather have the stuff to use later. So in a way, I'm choosing to lose. And that kind of takes a lot of the sting out of it. It really it does. does. That it is gives you the agency it's, over that. It's not something that's done to you or that mm-hmm. you have no agency in. You the, the game gives you agency. The worst case scenario like, is... Yeah, I could have bought my way out of it, but I spent all my consequences and fate points on this other thing before, so I don't have any. But I really wanted that, so I kind of accepted this. That's like the least agency position. Right. This is happening. I could have affected this if I held on to it, but then I would have taken the hit somewhere else. So, Mm -hmm. you know, this is going to come in some form one way or the other. I just think that's a really cool point. And sorry to interrupt you, but I just kind of wanted to highlight there because I think it's one of the really cool things about the system. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I appreciate that. Um, I think that in D and D, you know, it, it's always this half game between uh, wargaming and storytelling and the wargaming aspect of it doesn't have quite as much skill expression as I would like for it to have. And so mm-hmm. what happens is that, you fail a saving throw or you don't roll a high enough on an attack or you get critted in the face. And none of those things are things that are within your control. Right. And so, right. and so no matter how well you play dice or dice, right. Um, and, and there is no sort of trading back. You're supposed to beat the game. You're supposed to win. Right. Right. And so, and again, I love Dungeons and Dragons and I, and, yeah. and we've talked a lot about, you know, yeah. what a game is supposed to do. Right. And so I don't want this to be a right. disparaging thing, but I will say that I watched my players have fun while failing. And that is, that was a special moment. I like that. It feels, it feels really unique. Yeah. At least compared to the typical experience with what you typically see in D and D and of course yeah. just like I do at D and D I had far over prepped and had way more <laughs> stuff ready to go than we got through uh, what can can I ask what you wound up prepping and I let's let's preface this with spoilers that uh you know if any of Adam's fate players <laughs> are listening just just back skip off this. for a minute <laughs> 
Well, and I won't try to give too much detail because I don't want to bore the audience. But like at the same time, uh, we are doing a cyberpunk game. And so everyone, a lot of them had just watched uh, the Netflix uh, TV show, the oh, cartoon. Yeah, yeah. And uh, then, of course, like anyone who had played the game before was very familiar. So we had a kind of a mixed bag of people that were very familiar and people that, that didn't know what was really going on. They just knew that implants are part of it. <laughs> and uh, I mean, that's all that matters anyway. But we, we only had three primary characters that we had started with. And then we had two more kind of joining. So I was in this weird spot where I would take breaks and like help them do the next part of their character sheet. And then I would do some more of the scene and, and we actually balanced it pretty well though. I think they were, they were pretty happy. So nobody felt like super neglected uh, at that table. Cool. Um, what, what I had planned to do was I'm, I'm borrowing what we were talking about last time, which is victim of the week. Right. And so mm, in the yeah, beginning, yeah. my, my, my big bad, he's kind of starting out himself. Right. And so the person that he targets is kind of small potatoes. And my first uh, victim is uh, a jerk landlord. And mm. I had written out like the entire BD sequence of him throwing this like mom and her kid out on the street and then him basically forcing the guy into his own homelessness and then murdering him. Right. Mm. And, uh, we never got there. <laughs> we never got there. <laughs> so that's, that's for, ready to go for next time. For um, anyone, for anyone listening who is a little unfamiliar with cyberpunk, a BD stands for brain dance, which yeah, is basically right. like, uh, um, like a video recording of what someone's entire brain experiences. So then you could like pop the chip into your head and basically feel like you are the person who watched whatever was happening happened. Like you get to be that person or experience exactly what they felt. Yeah. Down to smell and touch and everything. Right. Yeah, so it's, 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 it's incredibly which is a trippy idea. So there are legal BDs and most BDs are used for like porn and stuff. But, um, <laughs> you know, obviously we're not going to explore that with a bunch of high schoolers. <laughs> um, but we could talk about murder plenty because our society's <laughs> uh, standards are weird. Um, so <laughs> they uh, the, my big bad is a person who is going around murdering people that are otherwise untouchable by the law, either because the laws aren't written to to safeguard people or because they're just so rich and affluent that they can't be touched. Right. And so the Johnny viewer, Marcone, the, the viewer yeah. of the BD gets to experience this like satisfying form of like, I guess, revenge porn, you might call it. Right. It's like watching Tarantino, except for it's like a lot more personal to you. Right. Hmm. And so, uh, and then, uh, you know, people are, you know, barring for Beth, death note, people are going to be like, oh, we actually really like this guy, even though it's illegal. And like, as he gets more and more popular, he's going to kill like bigger and bigger targets with bigger names. Right. Got that sort of vigilante. Yeah. Sort so of vibe. it's a vigilante justice thing. Um, and then I won't give away the big twist, but like that is uh, the main idea. So the only thing we really covered this week was having the players kind of get introduced, giving them a, like yeah. a little mini vignette, having them connect with each other, 
like they already knew each other because of what we had done in character creation. But did, did you do the phase trio? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Cool. So, I, so I had them deal with each other. Fun. Um, and like come out with something that had to do with, with, with that to build up their aspects. And I did my best to build the aspects properly. I, I need to uh, submit the character sheets to, uh, to you, Rob, and to some of our other people that are interested in fate to oh, yeah. sort of monger was asked. Yeah, exactly. To like kind of scrutinize. And then I made like a bunch of NPC sheets. Like I made Wakako and a bunch of other characters um, for the approval of she, the midnight society. That's right. She must've been so fun to play. Yeah. I was really trying hard not to fall into like a Chinese accent because I didn't want to like offend no. everyone. Um, but I did try to match some of the cadence of her, her, her speech. Mm. Um, and, and do as well as I could. And they got it right. It, it totally worked. Um, so anyway, uh, we, I did some save the cat moments. All right. <laughs> to, to make our, um, our audience, which is each other, um, you know, like the protagonists. It was very on brand for us. Um, I did have one funny scene that I'll, talk about briefly so one of my characters is a cop uh one of the other characters is a kid like an eighth grader who's a genius at net running and, of course because uh, of course and then my third one, uh, character my, my main one is uh he's a big russian thug basically Oh, uh, this but, guy speaks to me. Yeah, but he has a, guy. Uh, he's got a heart of gold, but a bad rap and no money. Right. Yeah. And so uh, in <laughs> one scene, the cop who's like down on his luck, like down to his last chance before he just gets removed from the force. Oh, of course. You know, is given the job to uh, to investigate this this killer. And he's like, I, I'm going to need help. But this force won't give him anyone. <laughs> to work with because he's a loose kid because he's, he's a loser right and Can't so be trusted it they so he, re, he goes back to the kid and is like hey i'm gonna need your help but when he shows up at the school the kid's getting bullied by some well bully right and he's like getting kicked on the ground and stuff oh jeez. so the cop shows up and intervenes and the kid like just starts laying into him and calling him all kinds of names and stuff so then i have the um I have the cop player uh, uh, make a will roll to like <laughs> remain composed, right? And, oh, no. and he it fails horribly and, and oh, doesn't choose Lord. to fix it. <laughs> so <laughs> I go, the next thing you know, the, the kid's lying on the ground bleeding and your fist is covered in blood. <laughs> like, oh, geez. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's, that escalated quickly. And so oh. then you guys are just running. You guys are running. You're like oh crap, and then his the brass boss, aren't going to be too happy about oh, and this. They're, and they're not. He gets. Um, <laughs> I have one of my players bring up the ringtone from the game, right? Um, as he's playing it, and then I just muffled my hands. I'm like, <laughs> coming from the boss. Um, it's just like. Uh, uh, and then we did this some is the last cat straw, stuff. Jameson. The last straw. <laughs> <laughs> so then they went and they met our two new players who are a couple of mocks working in um, uh, uh, not Afro, uh, Lizzie's bar. 
and we meet Judy. Uh, so I got to play Judy as well, which was cool. Oh, fun. And um, yeah, just kind of get set up. They go to Chinatown. They meet Wakako. That's about as far as we got. Nice. So nice. Didn't are, get too are, far, but we did a lot of character stuff and they had a really good time. Just that's the important. Just for my own curiosity, are you having this take place before or after the events of the video game? So uh, Judy's alive, so it's definitely going to be before slash during. Okay. So I'm going to have her probably spoilers for my players, but she's probably going to disappear part way through. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Um, And it'll have probably nothing to do with our plot. Oh, I'm sure. Um. But yeah, I've uh, got a lot of stuff set up. I've been trying to, I've been building up a, a collection of characters, each one based on a uh, location, as was mm-hmm. suggested uh, last time. Very and so good. I've got characters from, I'm just building up Watson right now, and then I'll, I'll branch out from there. Ooh. But that, running it was, well, a, was a joy. Great, great. Did you? Yeah, in general, the faces are what you really want to do with those is they're more like kind of permanently located at the location as opposed to being general NPCs. That's really what I was getting at with that. So they're a way of interacting with a location more than they are a NPC that really has an agenda and all that other stuff. That's kind of what I was going for. Oh. But if it works for you, it works for you. So, so you were thinking like basically you have when you have this this place that needs to be iconic or regularly used um that you basically have where that place literally has a face in the form of that person who's kind of like the location's spokesperson yeah i mean mm. to use a, to use a trends and files example which won't help adam at all um, <laughs> mac sorry no oh mac's a good one mm. so is father fort hill ah uh, father fort hill i i love father fort hill he's great father fort hill is i think really the the best example because he is so tied with the, with that that particular church yeah um adam i i'm curious um did you while you were running um, even even through session zero, uh, let alone session one, did you have anything that you felt really clicked that maybe hadn't fallen r- totally into place in your head prior that once you started going, it kind of nestled right into where it was supposed to be? You're like, oh, OK. And on the flip side. Were there any things that you felt like you were hoping would kind of fall into place that maybe didn't or that you found that you still kind of struggled with uh, while you were going through your session zero and session one? So I think that that's coming. But honestly, no, honestly, uh, I and I and I would have expected that to happen. But uh, no, I actually felt pretty confident Nice. The only thing that really changed was I got more confident as we went on because I reminded myself, sure. they have no idea what I'm doing. Right. <laughs> right. And so, you know, it'd be different if I was running for Rob, you know, and I go, okay, he's like fact checking all my stuff, but like, <laughs> you know, and fair enough. But these, these kids, they were just, they were happy to be along for the ride. They didn't, they didn't care. And they liked rolling the fake dice. They thought those were interesting. And, uh, you know, it, they 
and I and I did watch somebody's face kind of light up when he got to make the decision of whether or not he wanted to fail, and oh, and that he would get yeah. a fate point for doing so. And he says, "Yeah, yeah, you you know what? I think I just fail at that." That's and, cool. Nice. Yeah, that was the that was the highlight for me out of everything. And then uh, he's actually the the son of one of my fellow teachers. And he's this really kind of like introverted kid, right? Just, you know, hair in the face, always connected to a device, Uh, you know, not a big talker, kind kids, really pleasant. Um, But, you know, always a little introverted. So his dad comes to me uh, during our meeting the next day and he's like, hey, uh, my boy, he was just like raving about your game. He never does that. You know, wow like that's so cool yeah and that felt really good that he went that's home awesome. and felt like he had to kind of rant about it a little bit and talk about how much he enjoyed it dude those that are the awesome. best best times yep um while they were at lizzie's bar his character uh they left him in the car because he wouldn't be allowed right and and so <laughs> i took a risk here oh. I, did, I, I didn't know how this was going to work out so, I mean, the whole time, the, the way he's still connected to the scene is that he's like hacked through the system and he's like looking at everything and he's watching through the cameras and he's sending people text messages based on what he's observing. Um, so he was still in the scene without being in the scene, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, mm. So he's not That's paying really attention. Yeah. I mean, so it works out, but he's not paying attention to his local surroundings. Right. Mm-hmm. He's not paying attention to what's going on. So, uh, Andrew, <laughs> I made a family guy reference um, yeah. as I, I brought in Herbert. <laughs> oh, my God. And had him tap it on the hey. window. Hey, there. What you doing in there? <laughs> yeah. What's happening? And he had creepy finger implants where he was like trying to get in the car and stuff. And uh, it was, I was just really laying it on. Um, tap, tap, tap. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there ain't nobody want that. The, the kid totally ran with it and and he ended up kind of like opening up the the window and then he took one of like the finger extension plugged it into his phone and then like hacked the guy's hand and oh my <laughs> god and like totally reverse his his problem on the other guy and sent him packing uh, uh and I think he enjoyed it and that was like the moment we ended was like right there oh my god that'll That'll he'll he's going to ride that high until until the second session, man. Yep. Yeah. So uh, the big tough guy got to be a big tough guy. The hacker got to hack the uh, cop. The cop needs needs to work on um, some stuff as a player in terms of just engaging with the story. But Mm -hmm. um, they definitely got to get yelled at by their boss. So that has to do with cop stuff. <laughs> I was going to say, that's got to make him feel like he's the real deal. Yeah. So, but I, I still think that they had a good time. That's awesome that that's uh that is awesome, man. That it was such yeah. a positive experience. Did, um, did you feel like the, any of the kids struggled with any particular things? No. Wow. That's awesome. There was no struggle. They like, even from character creation, I was like, this is an aspect. And it, I felt kind of embarrassed because they got it faster than I did. <laughs> oh, no. Let me tell you. That, that is, that is, you know what? Here's the weird thing about fate. And, and I've, 
been teaching people this game for you know seven plus years now, nine years now, I guess. Um, it is always the RPG veterans that have a harder mm-hmm. time. People that are new pick it up. It like just like in an instant they get it. It's the RPG veterans because they're trying to kind of put those square pegs in the round yeah, holes. Exactly. And it's a little of fate's pro- it's a little bit of fate's fault because it's got so many things that kind of look like D&D or GURPS or whatever, mm-hmm. but aren't. <laughs> so, you know, there's a lot of, hey, this looks like that. I should use it like that. And then it doesn't work and you're and you're left holding two broken pieces going, what do I do with this? <laughs> I think and I, and I, I really think that was my issue was I was trying to make D&D sense out of it. And they just were like, yeah, I never learned the rules in the first place. So whatever you say is great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I think one of the um, one of the criticisms that I've heard about fate that um, that I you know, the more I've thought about it, the more I, I do kind of understand is that, you know, fate, at least especially with fate core, um, Mm -hmm. the, like the way that it's structured, the examples they use the, you know, things like that. Um, like the fact of the matter is that fate as an RPG in a meta sense, it exists in a world where other kinds of RPGs exist, including D and D and that in that world in which it exists, D and D is the top dog in terms of popularity, familiarity amongst people who kind of dabble in tabletop RPGs. I mean, it, it just is. And, um, there are times where it seems like there are opportunities in the book in, in fates literature where it, it seems like the, the comparison to something like D and D would easily be anticipated. Like the author could imagine that the reader, once they read a certain thing might go, Oh, this sounds like this thing in D and D, or you know where you could anticipate the reader trying to draw those comparisons. Yeah, um, where the where the writers of Fate kind of it's like they chose to ignore the fact that D and D exists to to sort of mention in in a way that that actually that the book of Hans wound up doing um, where they kind of point out, you know, you may be inclined to think about this this way because of D&D and maybe they couldn't even call it out by name, but um, don't do that. Think about it like this instead and to kind of help better differentiate the um, fate from D and D and to kind of help guide people in their, in their thinking to, to, to kind of anticipate the misunderstandings and try Mm -hmm. to head them off. And I feel like that's what you wound up doing Rob with the book of Hans. That's kind of why that exists. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, to further support the idea the book of Hans has basically, at least from what I can tell, become considered a core 
one of the core books. It's like Fate's DMG, um, where, you know, I see it left and right. Like, if you're learning to play Fate, pick up these Fate books and get the Book of Haunts. Just freaking do it, because it will make learning the system better. So, you know, that that was curious to me that in writing the fate books that um, that they kind of chose not to address those points of comparison that I feel like could have been anticipated. I, you know, in my conversations, I think there's a couple things that, that kind of went on. Um, one is I just feel that like the evil hat folks aren't very immersed in current D and D culture. They've just, sure. you know, they've kind of, that's not where their tastes have A little gone. checked out. And, yeah. Yeah, they're a little checked out of that, and so they're not thinking of things from that. You know, their view, they're they're heavily into the indie culture, uh, mm. the RPG culture, and so I don't think they're quite doing that. I think there's also a guy they wanted to be a fairly neutral system reference, especially Fate Core. Yeah. Um, and I think there was, you know, a combination of things. I think there were things that just were obvious to them that they, that the between playing Fate for so many years and playing other games for so many years and not you know, I kind of feel like not playing a lot of D and D, and I'm I'm hypothesizing there to to be super certain. Um, but I think there's a lot of things that they just kind of took for granted, and they didn't even think needed to be said. Um, you know, and one of the the ones that I, I come to mind was you know the whole emphasis on fiction first, mm. and you know there's a bunch of people okay, well this Faith three has this huge emphasis on not on not a fiction first, but on aspects are true, aspects are true. And like, why are they changing that? You know, and the response was, well, it's, you know, I, I even asked at one point or he said at one point, I'm like, well, I think it's always been true. I just think they, you know, didn't think it was necessary to tell people you can't do pushups if you have two broken arms. <laughs> <laughs> right. Because that's like one of the questions that exactly. Well, wait a second. If there's an aspect, if I have a consequence that says I have, you know, two broken arms. I can only not, you know, do push-ups if it's compelled. That's crazy. Well, no, you just can't. I mean, come on, use your brain. Yeah, that's. <laughs> but but I think they're so used to people are so used to everything being defined in terms of these mechanical things and yeah. really explicitly stated that way that it never occurred to them that it was necessary. And I think that's what it is. Ninety percent of it. Hmm. Um, at one point, someone was talking about like the like having an annotated Fate Core book. That was actually something I, I asked about. Yeah, and I was told they didn't want to do it for various reasons. But I mean, I think it would have been great. I, I loved the you know computer programming geek, the C sharp one. You know, it was really incredibly lumi- you know illuminating. Oh, okay, I've got the 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 raw book to say here's the reference, and now I've got the explanations of why they did it this way. Which makes you go, oh, okay, that does make sense, even if it doesn't make sense, you know, when you first look at it. So, yeah, condensed is a lot better. Condensed is a lot better, I think, for explaining a lot of things in a way that is geared towards the mentality of someone probably approaching this system, having played other RPGs. And that's the result of, you know, seven, eight years of of seeing forum chatter and discord chatter and everything else and people asking questions. So I think that this is where... I had so much trouble learning in those first couple of weeks because like, even as I'm looking through the book, I feel like I'm missing it. Right. I feel like I'm, mm. Oh, I, I must not have read something. I should have missed. I don't understand how to quantify any of this. Right. And then, mm. and then the kids were like, Oh, I don't quantify things. Fantastic. 
<laughs> right? <laughs> like, no problem. Just, and, so, so I think it, my, it, a big insight for me was watching them play helped me understand what the purpose is. What mm-hmm. is like, nice. what is the premise of fate itself? And once we had played that, I was like, okay, I get That's you now. so cool. That's so cool. So let me, t- let me tell you the moment where I think I heard the light bulb really, really, really turned on for me. Oof. Um, and because I think there is one concept that a lot of people miss and it's, you know, it's, it's kind of, I call it the primacy of fiction. And it's the idea that the fiction is really, the game's not driving the game. The fiction's driving the game. The game is there to act as a consultant to help when you need it. But it's not really the engine, uh, our imagination's engine. And, you know, it's the, the, it's the providing covering fire example, right? Or it may have been taking cover. You know, those are the, the constant examples for how aspects work because it confuses people a lot. And I realized that, you know, if you're in cover and there's that aspect and you walk away, that aspect goes away because you're not in cover anymore. Yeah. It doesn't need some mechanical rule to make that happen. It, it just, just happens because that's what's obvious. You know, if you are in cover and you walk somewhere else, you're not in cover anymore. Period. End of story. The rules ha- the rules widgets have to conform to that reality. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. And I think that because they had wrap their brains around this as quickly as they did. And, and they were willing to trust me. Like, I think that our ad, the adversarial relationship that can often exist uh, between Mm. game master and player was just like absent. And Mm. so we, they got the feeling that we were all in this together and they will, they were all like, Oh, this is collaborative. This is cooperative. Even if I take damage that I'm accepting, I'm, I want this, you know, and and I think that just really put a smile on their faces because it was just not not another thing that they had to beat or get beaten by, you know, which I love that. Yeah. Especially as we get so close to finals. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'll be honest, like for me, that's why I like kind of running a. Um, more improvisational game is one of the things I see with it is that if I'm not saying this is how I want things to go, then there's that there, there's an as there's an aspect of that that is inherently adversarial. Mm. I want you to go here. And if you don't want to go there, you're going to fight me. And if I don't have any attachment to any of that, then okay, cool. I'm here to help you explore the story in the way you want to explore it. Mm. You know, if you want to explore it this way, hey, that's totally cool. I'm there to facilitate that. You become a facilitator versus a guide. And being a guide can work as long as everyone knows they're being guided and is okay with that. Hmm. That's that's really that's really interesting. Like just presenting it in the way of I'm not here to be a challenge for you or I'm not here to be the thing you fight. I'm here to to help facilitate the exploration of this story and to to be here to tell a story together with with any of you guys who are playing with me. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm going to throw oh, challenge yeah. and stuff in there, but not because it's really um, an adversarial thing, but it's because 
last I checked, we want games that have tension and we want stories with tension and drama and exciting things. Well, and so if I don't put exciting things in the way, I'm not giving you what you want. And that's, you know, that's part and parcel to a story. Like, you know, when you're right, when you are first in English class, you know, that's one of the that's one of the first things you wind up talking about is like the different types of conflict, man versus man, man versus nature, man versus self and man versus God, I think. Um, and it's, you know, without conflict, you just have, um, oh God, Adam, what was the, what was the family guy bit where it was like, it was, it all comes I think back it was family guy, Bill Pullman. And, uh, who's, who's the other guy who played in dumb and dumber, uh, Jim, not, Carrey? Jim, not, not Jim Carrey, the other guy. Uh, Jeff, oh, Jeff Daniels, yeah, Bill Daniels, Pullman and yeah. Jeff Daniels as like the nice guys. And they're just sitting around a kitchen table, like complimenting nice. each other and having a nice <laughs> breakfast. And there's no conflict whatsoever. <laughs> it's like, you know what it really reminds me of? There's an old Twilight Zone episode in the original black and white Twilight Zone. And this guy dies and he's a gambler. and He's a terrible person. And he finds himself being greeted by this person in white. And he's in like some like pseudo Vegas thing. And every time he plays, he wins. Every girl he approaches falls head over, you know, falls for him. Huh. He gets everything he wants. Oh. Everything is just handed to him on a silver platter. And after a while, he goes, you know, the the the, the angel comes to him again. And he's, like, he's like, I can't stand it. This is terrible. This is awful. I mean, I'm winning, but there's no challenge. There's no excitement. There's right. no risk. There's nothing else. What kind of heaven is this? <laughs> he looks at him and says, what makes you think this is heaven? Or like in the Matrix, right? Like the first time the Matrix is built, the machines make a more yeah. idealized world and and people reject it. They can't they can't uh, take it as reality. It can't possibly be this good. Yeah. So they. They don't, they're not as satisfied with their experience. So, I mean, one of the examples I like to use is people like, well, you know, you can't just let people make, you know, secret passages into the castle. Why not? Okay. So if you get, if you need to get in the castle for some reason, maybe I thought you could sneak in or fight your way through or climb the, the walls. You want to look for the secret passage? Okay. That means we're now doing the scene of sneaking through the secret passage with all the spooky stuff instead of the climbing the wall scene. Yeah. It's still going to have challenge and drama and tension. Yep. Just choosing what kind you want. Exactly. I'm not bypassing. I'm just I'm just giving you what you want. Also, the character expression of this is how my character would approach a problem. Right. Yeah. Oh, I would do it head on. I would scale the wall. I would shout out for them to come and challenge me. I would try to wear a disguise. I would try to find a secret passage. Like all of that is valid. You know. Yep. And just part of that expression. And so one thing I'm really looking forward to is not seeing a lot of skill expression in terms of like dominating gameplay, but really focusing on that, that character expression. Like Mm -hmm. this is how I want to behave and then having that be validated for the, for the players. Right. Um, So I can't wait for more. I can't wait to do more. I and uh, I like my players a lot. They're good kids. Maybe I want to try this with That's adults. Awesome. We'll see. 
Right on. One of the other things that I keep getting in fate or people's eyes a lot of fate is like, well, what's to stop somebody from just using their best skill all the time? Hmm. Nothing. And I'm like, well, nothing, nothing. They probably should. And then I go back to the example, like in Supernatural at one point, Dean is, because Dean has to lie and try to pretend to be something somebody else in every situation. It's just what he does. And it gets him into trouble all the time when he could have just been honest and gotten what he wanted. <laughs> so you could call that a compel, but you know you can highlight the, the disadvantages and the advantages of doing the thing that you do. Mm. It doesn't have to be optimal. You know, if you're the guy who barges through everything, Sometimes you don't want to barge through everything. Sometimes you don't want to sneak. Sometimes that's the wrong approach, you know, and if you want to use that, that's fine, but you're just going to get yourself into that flavor of trouble. Right. And that's totally cool. Yeah. I mean, how, how often do we as people, you know, recognize, oh, I'm, I'm really good at, you know, just because I'm really good at this thing doesn't necessarily mean that I want to do it. Or, you know, you realize, oh, I've got this bad habit. And, you know, which, you know, could be reflected, could be life. Yeah, it it could be (laughs) reflected in terms of like, this is something that I always find myself doing, but I actively don't want to do it. So I'm going to try actively try to do things a different way than I normally do. Like (laughs) literally whenever we try to lose weight. Oh, my God. (laughs) There you go. Oh, my God. It's like, I know what I should do. I know what the process is. But I also know what I want to do. But I'm going to not do that. Yeah. Right. I, 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 li- I live in Texas and queso and brisket are both delicious. So mm. that's a thing. Mm. So I would like to imagine that my real life self, while I have a lot of shortcomings and haven't achieved all the things I want, I've got a ton of fade points just sitting there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> there you go. And I just I, I need to figure out how to spend them. But once I do, boy, howdy. <laughs> you know what once you do it's over for everyone it's over it's over uh the other the other thing i want to mention like is like with skills and especially with fate and other games like it and i don't know where this comes from but like well i want to make people use their weak skills why nobody does that if you're not good at something you don't try to solve problems with that putting somebody in the situation where they're having to do the things they're bad at doesn't really feel that great to be honest you know, that's kind of who they are. You know, the, the smart person doesn't go and punch the bully in the nose if, if he knows what's good. That's for right. Him. That's not how you approach that problem. So I, I've never really understood why that's such a thing. I think it's like from the min max. If you're going to take the disadvantage for something, then I'm going to make you make sure that you pay the disadvantage. Right. And I, I don't think that's really useful. The disadvantage is inherent in the fact that that's not a valid approach for you. And there's going to be times you might want to use that approach that you can't and forcing and that's going to force how you approach things, how change, how you approach things. That's where I think the disadvantage is not I'm going to make you roll your bad skills to watch you fail. It seems like there's like uh, almost an inherent um, an inherent kind of thinking where it's like it just by virtue of the fact that you get to feel like you're amazing at something means that at some other point you have to be made to feel like you're terrible at something else or that you you basically have to suffer in some way at some point as some sort of payment for being able to be so awesome at something else. 
Well, and if we're using like the smart kid and the bully example, you know, making you go and have that fight is kind of pointless to me, right? The downside of not having, you know, in fate terms, the high fate or the high fight and the high physique scores is that punching the bully in the nose isn't a valid option. Right. I mean, you could do it, but it's not going to work. You've got to you've got to think of a better way to do it for you. But um, now I also imagine the player going, I want to punch him in the nose, knowing full well this yeah. is a disaster. Right. Just to get and some you drama totally going. That. that might be a compel. That's where your compels come mm. to play. Right. I'm, you're going to get yourself in trouble <laughs> because we've established something. Yeah. If you call Marty McFly a chicken, he will absolutely do the opposite of what he should do oh man that that's totally that's totally uh like i i feel like that if it isn't (laughs) verbatim if it's not verbatim an aspect that i feel like that whole deal with like if you call marty mcfly a chicken that's his trouble right there you you go yeah yeah, um, I'm no Tiana, chicken. You were about to say something, and then we all started talking. Sorry about That's fine. that. <laughs> well, I, I, I've, I, I, I was I was making the the comparison back to uh, the fight scene that we had, where I was sitting here as Charlotte, who is like, I'm not a fighter. I have do not have good physique. Okay, how do I make that work? And it it was it was interesting thinking about because I p- tend to play in other in other systems with characters who are very good at fighting for whatever reason. But I was like, it was, it was interesting thinking about how to, you know, use her good skill, which is lore and magic to be like, okay, how do I make this work to my advantage? And, or at least, and one of the and really, or at least make it suck but, less. <laughs> and just, just being in the head of a person who, you know, it, where at least typical combat or conflict that is going on in that sort of way just isn't your character's thing at all. Like as you know, for me, if I, Andrew saw some, you know, huge fight going down, my initial instinct might very well not be, Ooh, I'm going to go get involved. It's like, how do I get as far away from this or protect myself from that? as possible like that's that's a whole different headspace to be in too which is really interesting well and even that is one of the weird things about fate and you know as you play more you'll discover this really and just like really experience it is that a lot of times it's not the character you think that's most effective that's actually the most effective especially when you're punching up a little bit Mm. right so if you've got a fight of four and you're fighting an enemy with a fight of six your fight of four doesn't really work that way. Yeah, it's you're 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 stemming the tide, the onslaught. You're you're bearing the onslaught to give everyone else time to do stuff. But if you think about it, like in a movie, and I'm just thinking like one particular scene from the TV show Defiance. You know, how many scenes do you have where you've got the the fighty hero who's you know maybe f- fighting outside of his weight class a little bit, and he's he's holding on, he's losing. You know, slowly, but he's not he's not getting completely demolished, but he certainly ain't winning. And then all of a sudden you got his his cohorts on the side going, hit him in the back. He's he's got a weak leg. Oh, or, yeah. That's the Mark three mm-hmm. power armor. The weakness is here. OK, well, that's notice. And that's lore. Yeah, that's cool. With create advantage. 
So who is really defeating that big bad guy? Okay, the fighty guy is the one actually delivering the punch, but he couldn't have done it without the help. That's very and true. That, and, and that was something that I was thinking a lot about where it's like, okay, I can't directly do something, but I have noticed as a player that, it, I mean, it's it, it sounds obvious when you say it out loud, but shadows don't like light. Okay. What? How do we use that? <laughs> I know. Sometimes you just got to say the obvious thing out loud, right? You do. And that was that was such a great thing to do because, I mean, that passive opposition he had to deal with, you know, I I don't think it lasted much longer after that. But that that's kind of a killer. That means that every attack of his, no matter how badly anybody rolls, is dealing with a plus two defense at worst or at best or worst, worst for worst for you. (laughs) So, you know, it's 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 it means that he has to do a lot to do anything. So, you know, and then certainly, you know, you can play into, okay, now he's can't do this or he can't do that and, and all sorts of other things. So, yeah, it's. That was fun. It was, it was, uh, it was a challenge to change the way that I think about how encounters work. And I mean, like you said, I, I'm, I haven't been playing TTRPGs as long as everyone else here, but I've played a lot of hours of TTRPGs at this point. So I feel reasonably confident calling myself a veteran yeah. and that makes it harder for me to grasp those sorts of things. Well, and the weird thing about the, again, I want people to use their bad skills. I don't understand it because nobody goes into D and D and says, no, I really want to force the wizard to use their staff uh. to beat stuff up. I don't want them to use spells. I want them to use their staff in D and D. We accept that a wizard's going to wizard and a fighter's going to fight. We don't go, no fighter. You're not going to fight. You're going to use magic items. Huh? Yeah. You're not good at it, but that's what you're going to do. We're going to make you do that, the thing you're bad at. Nobody expects that. I don't know why it is in skill-based games that there's this weird thing of, I expect people to use to do the things they're bad at. It's just weird. But, Sorry, I'm right. Well, and like the, the only time the only time that I like that is in um, the system Delta Green, where you w- actually kind of mm. want to use your bad skills because that's how you improve them. You improve your skill by right. failing at it. So in that, there is an incentive to use your bad skill, but man, you have to justify it to the handler. Right. And that, I think that's also, um, that sort of goes to a question of game design also, because at least if you ask me, you know, good game design also includes how the game incentivizes you to do certain things. And if the game is designed well, you will be encouraged to lean into certain things and lean away from other things. You know, in D and D and D, your your you know your class, the abilities that your class gives you naturally point you toward playing a certain way. In Fate, when you you know set your character up a certain way and you you know, give it certain aspects and you choose certain skills and things like that. The gameplay mechanics, even if they are light, still encourage you to take those things that are now on your character sheet and interface with them in in a in a natural, intuitive way based on the mechanics that are provided for you. And, you know, and it's not wrong or you know cheating or whatever to take those incentives and those you know directions and signals given to you by the game to lean into those strengths because you essentially have just said 
this is the kind of character I feel like playing. So now I'm going to play that character where it sounds like those other people are saying, oh, you know, because you chose to make this kind of character, you should somehow try to play that character the way a character who's not them would be like it it just doesn't yeah. make sense at its at its core right well i think part of it's like comes back from the whole min maxing i'm gonna drop my deck my con all the way down to boost up my other yeah stuff. well and there's like well since you got this benefit i want you to pay the penalty because you were taking you know this negative in order to get this positive i, I think that's where a lot of yeah but i want to touch on kind of what you said you know about games providing incentives I'm going to go one step further. I think all games do that. Not just well. Oh, sure. Games. Yeah. All games, all games incentivize behavior. And, in, and sometimes in very, very, very subtle ways. Yeah. It's just a matter the of what is, and are, how. And are you doing it on purpose? Right. right. Are you, are you incentivizing what the gameplay that you actually want to, to see? That's a very important one distinction. Fa- Good point. One of my favorite examples is like D and D first ed versus second ed. And this is, this isn't a pure, you know, because it was an optional rule, right, in second ed. But they got rid of the idea that you could get XP for gold pieces, uh, for getting treasure. That was the core, in a lot of ways, of D&D previous to second ed. You know, if you really played by the rules and you did everything and you kind of, I'm going to go into the dungeon, and came out, you got most of your XP from treasure, not from killing stuff. Hmm. And that change and that made the game a lot more you know again if you played it by the rules and this is i'm gonna again you know always i always like playing games is by the rules as possible at first until you understand them enough to change them if you played it by the rules you got most of your xp from treasure and that really made you go hmm i don't want to fight i want to steal fighting is i want to steal this is it's not it's not a, a let's go and murder everything game it's uh we're doing a heist it's a heist yeah game. And when you get rid of that rule, you change that entire reward matrix and you change the what people are doing and what they're rewarded for. Right. And I think that would, to a certain extent was deliberate because that we're going to do a heist game doesn't work with Dragonlance. You know, let's just point the finger where it deserves. To be. <laughs> but but, you know, I, I think that you, what you're absolutely saying is absolutely true. And it's like, what is your game reward? What is it incentivized? Yep. What is it? What does it make the path of least resistance? Because that's what people are going to do to a great extent. At this point, we've done a good job of uh, singing the praises of fate. Right. And I think that's <laughs> la, what la, this la. episode has largely turned into. We've enjoyed it, even though we um, still really don't have too much experience with the exception of you, of course, Rob. Um, one thing I want to know, because I'm doing cyberpunk, right? I want to start talking about rewards. I want to start talking about how do I give people the katana, then the better katana, then the better, better katana. How do I give them, you know, the, the implant that's going to make them stronger without getting to the point where we're adding plus 12 on like every role. Right. I assume that that is not the goal of the game. So how do I deal with scale and reward in fate um in general i'd say you know how do i put this uh the glib answer is don't Uh, um that's the short and sweet version but i would say that's also not entirely accurate to be honest with you um i would say if you look at a movie you know people don't get better katanas in a movie 
you know, in, in Highlander. The first one, because there was only one, <laughs> um, you know, he's basically got the same sword. You know, in Game of Thrones, people aren't doing better because they have different swords with the exception of Valyrian Steel. And that's a very special against certain types of opponents, negates weaknesses, kind of plot level right. um, occurrence. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not your, your equipment that generally makes you better. And that that kind of I'm the primary goal is increase of personal power isn't really, you know, what you see in fiction. Um, and certainly not personal power by accumulating a Christmas tree worth of trees right. to go off of yourself. Um, you still can do some stuff with that, with like uh, stunts and whatnot. Um, you know, especially I think in, that would be a good example for implants. Could either be uh, appropriate stunts, could be aspects, could even be you know uh, an explanation for skill increases. You know, if you're increasing your fighter physique you can say that it is narratively because of the implants that you've gotten. Keeping in mind that, you know, a skill in, in fate isn't just your quote-unquote actual skill. It's all the things that, it's your effective, it's an effectiveness rating for doing that type of action is the best way to think of it. Um, so I, I, I would, I'm just very hesitant about getting on the better, better weapons train. Because the other problem is that fate, the numbers are so coarse anyway that even small numbers have a big effect. Right. Yeah. But we, um, but we just did get done discussing about using rewards as incentive. Right. And so like, right. Let's, you know, you imagine you're playing a cyberpunk game, the idea of I'm going to get the better implant. I mean, that's just inherent, right? Like, so how can I translate that? How can I still have my cake and eat it too? I guess is what I'm asking. Cause like I, I get well, just like, don't, but it's like, okay, but what if my character is just a really great fighter and then I get mm-hmm. the sand devastan, right? What, what, what happens? Or is that just, well, and I, a no, I, well, I mean, it's not a no. Okay. Um, but again, I kind of want to roll back a little bit here. And, you know, I, and I think of cyberpunk fiction and I think of like Neuromancer. Um, I don't think any of them got extra implants during the story. You know, um, most of the reward that when I run fake games comes from seeing what happens in the world. There's something you want to occur in the world and you make that occur or you don't. And, you know, the uh, generally you want to be invested in enough that that's, that's the primary reward. The primary reward isn't I get bigger numbers. The primary reward is the world evolves the way I want it to. Mm. Well, right? and, and, right? and the, the ritual of course, doesn't go well. Of course. But that still doesn't answer my question. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, again, I think you can do it as I, I would just be a lot more limited in it, right? The idea that this is a primary advancement, we're going to have multiple katanas and we're going to have, you know, upgrade past your katanas and better and better and better. It's just really hard in fate. Um, it's you can do things is is I, I almost feel like this is your you're leaning towards another question with this um like how do you handle cyberware is that kind of the question you're asking really no i mean i i think i was asking about this last week too um uh, where i was like how do i handle scale like you know i could think of different things where okay the implant it doesn't add a bunch of bonuses it gives you a very specific bonus to a very specific situation. And it's like, sure, I, I can do that. But seizing the sword is like a moment in storytelling that's very important, right? And so 
I, I guess, you know, what do I do? Even if I have a guy who starts out with four physique and he, mm-hmm. and he puts on gorilla arms, right? I mean, do I give, do I let him roll plus six whenever he uses physique? Right. Do I allow that to get to eight? You know, where do you just draw the line? I know I I, I just got done in the beginning of <laughs> this whole thing going. I love how implicit the rules are and, you know, and, and all this stuff. And then I'm coming right back. Like, what is the quantity? I'm asking a quantity question. And I really am just getting the sense from from last week and this week that there just really isn't right. They're just the the system does not support scale like that. Well, I mean, you keep using the word scale, and I'm not entirely sure what you mean by that. I think you mean something very specific that I'm not picking up on. So let me give you an example of something you're talking about. You know, you just pick up the thing and you're better. Um, so, like in the Dresden Files RPG, uh, they introduced the idea of weapon and armor levels. Um, this did not exist in Spirit of the Century, even though Spirit of the Century had weapons and armor. Um, and the reason was because, you know, if, again, if you look at something like Game of Thrones, you know, where the weapon and armor you're using really isn't narratively important. You're not, you don't have scenes where people going, oh, we can't defeat him. He is too heavily armored. That's like a narrative beat, right? Uh, it's not a simulative beat. It's a narrative beat. So you could say that the simulation's happening, but on a narrative level, it's not like, oh, we can't do this. We have to overcome this, his armor. We have, he, he's got too great of a weapon. We have to overcome that. You don't really see that. Um, in Dresden Files, you do, okay? And that's really the kind of the interesting thing. So in Dresden Files, like, there's this constant recurring theme in the books, which is, first, there's something bad happening. We don't know what it is, or maybe we do. Then we figure out where the bad thing is and where what it is, and then we gear up and we, we all put on the cool weapons and armor, and we go and beat the snot out of it. And then we come back and we're done. And then we go back to, you know, having our normal street clothes. That's kind of a very common narrative uh, arc in, in a Dresden book, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, you wouldn't know that. No, I wouldn't. Um, <laughs> oh, you need but, to. But I promise oh, you, you it to. is. So but I good. promise you but it, it is. But it made me think of like Batman, right? Like, oh, I have to beat this specific bad guy, so I need this specific thing. Um, right. So, I mean, and from that standpoint... That's where weapon and armor comes into play, and that's why it exists in and was introduced in the FRPG is to support that kind of narrative arc where I'm I've got that okay I'm going to gear up and go beat the beat the guys thing, but it's not generally a permanent power. I mean, he's walking around Chicago. You don't walk around Chicago with a, a shotgun um, and in and in full Kevlar armor, or, or you have a very bad day. <laughs> So, so the game does support in that case. And, you know, weapon ratings is basically if you hit, you do extra stress. Armor is if you get hit, you take less stress. Um, it, it's pretty straightforward. There's, there's a couple nuances, but that's all in the book. You don't need me to go through that. Um, but in terms of, like, I've gotten the armors, I've gotten the gorilla arms, and now I'm just better overall permanently. I, I'm, I'm very cautious about that. And that's just really kind of a weapon, right? That's kind of... I am now better because of gear. Um, you know, there is a couple things you can do with that. First off, you can roll it into advancement, right? And make that a, a justification for a stunt or a justification for, um, you know, just an overall increase. It can be an aspect. You can swap an aspect out if you think that that is handled appropriately and sufficiently between, you know, permissions and the occasional invoke. 
Um, you know, it might be that having gorilla arms doesn't make you quote unquote more effective, but it does mean that you can do things that you couldn't have done outside of it, right? Like, and that's, that's good. Like, okay, I'm fighting with the gorilla arms. Yes, they're stronger, but they're also slower. So am I really more effective? I don't know, but I can do things with them that I couldn't do without them. Um, you can treat them like w- weapons and armor. I get very cautious, and I had an, one of my first experiences playing Fate was actually in an Eberron-based game where we used weapons and armor straight out of the book. And, you know, I, I wanted to play like a rogue-type, you know, guy who's, you know, has a pretty good fight score. I don't remember exactly if it was three or four. And there was somebody else who had a great sword, and we ran into some guys with armor. And let me tell you that, you know, me poking things with my short sword or daggers against someone with the armor four left me entirely useless. And as anyone who's played anything D&D like knows, rogues are not useless when it comes to dealing damage. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So when you start giving out just bonuses just for stuff that you pick up, you start uh, privileging certain character concepts Mm. for others. Because D&D does this because these things are built into the system to a certain extent. The system's baked around you getting bigger numbers. You kind of have to. I mean, even, you know, the... There's variants that don't do that that give you the numbers in other ways, um, but if you just pr- but but they also have other things. So yes, a short sword in D and D does you know D six instead of D eight or D ten or D twelve, but then the ro- you know the the rogues using it have all these other feats and class abilities that make up the damage to actually put them over the fighter with his great sword. Mm. So so that's where you run into problems with that if you just kind of blanketly take this i've got stuff so i do better numbers you you kind of don't usually have the rest of the infrastructure to support that and that's where you run into trouble so i i had a a bit of a thought to add to this i guess um and i remember a a while uh back in our earlier episodes about um as we were just kind of learning about aspects and you know the very basics one of your kind of clutch bits of advice for sort of running the game and figuring out what you want to do or what you should do or what your player might want to do is using the question what are you trying to accomplish and Mm -hmm. i feel like that's also a really good question to ask when it comes to you know whether i whether i give my player a new bit of gear access to some new magic or you know anything like that offering any kind of reward really is asking yourself as the gm what am i trying to accomplish by giving my player this blank you know, if uh, Adam, in your in your example of using the gorilla arms, why why are we giving the player the gorilla arms? What are we hoping that the gorilla arms will accomplish or allow the player to do that they aren't able to do already? How will this change the character? How will it uh, change how they interact? with the world because you know it kind of uh begs the question like is this character a fighter already do they already kind of do 
things very similar to what you would do with gorilla arms. Um, just, you know, maybe a bit weaker, or is it like, you know, this guy was a little net runner who, you know, typically isn't that big a fighter, but maybe he wants to be, and, you know, he wants the gorilla arms. So maybe he can be a fighter. Like he never was able to before. Hmm. Um, you know, how does it change? What does it mean for the character less than, or more than what does it do to their stats? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I think narratively what I'm trying to get at is that, you know, kind of big anime moment where suddenly you can do, you can compete where you couldn't, right? Suddenly, you know, Goku is like just a lot stronger, but I think I, I've come up with the answer as we've been kind of talking around it. What's that? Um, which, you know, it's it, a little bit like dam- how damage reduction is, y- you know, mm-hmm. where you in D&D, it's like uh, so a lot of creatures, you can't even like hit them with weapons unless you have magic, right? Oh, it's a matter yeah. of opposition and like so obstacle, it's just, right? Right, like you need this upgrade in order to be able to roll it all to hit Adam Smasher, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that might be the just the answer. That like there might be a, a consequence or an, an aspect that just says cannot be hit unless, um, you know, they have the Arasaka Super Prevo, which you know, system, you know, whatever. In, yeah. In terms yeah, yeah. of Adam Smasher, like I mean, that's that's a. That's a great example for this where, you know, you see a character like, nobody, like him. No ma- matter how good they are, will ever beat him. Yeah, you're not going right. to bare knuckle like flesh fist right. punch the dude and expect to do anything. So right. it totally does open up. Uh, it feels like equipment is a great way to just straight up give access yeah, to entirely access. new avenues. Just yeah. like you can now play. Yeah. Right? And and I think yeah. that that's probably yeah. the answer, which is nice because now we're not dealing with gigantic numbers that, right. it, that get out of control. Yeah. You know, so I think that yeah. works. And that's, you know, in, in fate, a lot of times we talk about that as kind of a lock and key, right? I can't do something until I can't get past the lock until I have. The right. Room. Yeah. Right. And, and, and narrative permissions. And I know we've talked about that before with like shooting the Kaiju with the, the rifle doesn't right. do anything because mm-hmm. the kaiju is like because the kaiju is a kaiju, right? And that's yeah. just a you know that's yeah, that common sense sort of thing. Can't do push-ups if and your arms are I, broken. Although that does, but it's remind me of my favorite Farside comic ever. <laughs> uh, if you guys remember the Farside, I love Farside. Um, yeah. It's like it's got like this destroyed city, and there's like a dead Godzilla in the background. And in the foreground, there's like this farmer with a shotgun and they, like he's being interviewed by the news. And he, and he, all, he says, well, I just saw this uh, monster stopping around and causing a ruckus and whatnot. And I thought to myself, someone ought to shoot the thing. <laughs> so that one little bullet wound. Oh, he got me right in my only uh, vulnerable spot. So unrelated trivia remember the far side with the thagomizer yeah 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 (laughs) 
Do you know that that is actually an unofficial term? It is the yes. best term that they have for that part of the stick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they actually use that scientifically. Oh so, my which god! I just love that. No, it, <laughs> that's incredible. No, and I, and you can make numbers bigger, you know, and that's what I'm saying. Like DFRPG does it because that is such a n- common narrative beat in Dresden Files. I guess what I was pushing against is what seemed to me like less of a narrative beat and more like a mechanical reward assumption. Mm-hmm. And I, I just think that trying to shoehorn that kind of, uh, you know, personal advancement as the primary re- as the primary motive of play, no, yeah. you, you're really fighting the right. system a lot. Right. I mean, and there's ways you can do it. And we can talk about like, how do you do weapons? How do you make weapons interesting? Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, what are the ways that you can handle weapons? And, and I think those are all great conversations. I think they have different answers than I would use for most games. But, and again, a lot of it is because, as I said, Fate doesn't have all of the infrastructure in place to say, yeah, the, the rogue has a short sword, which is less damage, but he actually does more damage at all because of all these other 20 rules that we've stacked on top of him to make his short sword damage amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, got it. Yeah, well, totally understand. What is one way that you would make, let's say, an interesting weapon? Okay. How would you, as a seasoned GM of this game, create a lightsaber? Um, well, the first thing is you just have flat-out narrative permissions. You know, most things can't cut through metal. Right. Lightsabers can trivially. So you you have that. You have just all, without getting into the numbers, you have all of the things that a lightsaber can now cut steel. Um, mm. Can now cut steel, right? right? It, it can. It, it's very compact and easy. So to step hide. step one um, would be literally just to think about the the item that you're trying to make and ask yeah. yourself, what does this actually let you do? Just in very plain terms, right? Right. And then if you're a Jedi, you know you can deflect blaster bl- uh, bolts with it. Which you know could be a stunt on the player, or could in some cases be a stunt on right. the weapon. One of my favorite ways to make weapons interesting is to give them stunts. So, like saying that a pistol does more damage than a rifle or less damage than a rifle isn't really interesting to me because you know a decently powered pistol or a decently powered rifle, both of them are going to wreck you yeah. if you get hit. Right? The the one is more powerful than the other, you know, from a certain point of view, but realistically. It kind of don't matter. You're right. hit, you're hit. Right. Um, so what I tend to like to do, and again, looking at this as as skills and other things as effectiveness ratings, one of the things I think is cool to do with weapons, and le- to a lesser extent armor, but for weapons, I like to give them stunts attached to the weapon that let them be more effective when used for things that the weapon Can you give effective. me an example? Absolutely. So if you have a sniper rifle, you might get plus two to attacks, you know, n number of zones away. Oh, right? that's cool. Okay. Bringing zones. But into a machine it. gun, but or, or however you want to narratively express that, right? Or a machine gun might give plus two when laying down covering fire. Mm. So if I'm just trying to lay down fire so people don't move and are pinned down, I can do that very effectively with a machine gun. I can't do that very effectively with a sniper. So you're sniper rifle i can hit things from super so you're specifying you're not only specifying a bonus but you're specifying a specific uh circumstance in which that bonus would apply and you want that circumstance to feel intuitive like you know like laying down covering fire with a machine gun because that's what you would do you know right and you know part of that's like one of the things i mentioned like for stunt limitations i've always liked 
is I like stunt limitations that are partially but not entirely in the player's control, um, but also impact how they have to do things, right? Like, so when I'm using my favorite sword is a bad stunt limitation. Um, you know, perfect core itself. The book literally gives that as an example of a bad stunt limitation. Um, what I think is an interesting example from fake core is one of my favorite stunts is a face in the crowd, which is you get plus two to stealth. I think it is if you're in a crowd. Hmm. Well, that's interesting because I have some control over that, but exercising that control makes me do things in a different way. And the same way, right? If I have a mach- if I'm the heavy machine gun player, now it's just not a number that's just bigger. Now the- I'm literally making it, you know, advantageous i'm saying i want to be good at doing this thing this is going to change the tactics that i use in a fight so i can get this bonus more often because i want to use this i can still attack stuff but now i am i am advantaged you know there's that earlier conversation to say i want to kind of lock down areas that's now the thing that i am very you know that and we can do that because now we're only adding that single plus two on there and it's we're not just saying okay you know well, you got the heavy machine gun, so you have like weapon four. You always do an extra four stress damage. And the guy with the pistol, you know, he only has weapon one, so he's always worse. You know, pistol might be good, and, you know, I have to think about when, when a pistol would be better, you know, uh, apart from, you know, the obvious narrative permission stuff of just hiding it, you know, but maybe in close fights or things like that or, you know, against quickly moving targets, you know, I'm, I'm sure we can come up with something. That, that does um, actually make me make me also think that um you know alongside with considering you know what would having this you know this blank item power whatever the heck um what what would what would its use also complicate or disallow you from doing like um you know trying to use a machine gun to you know to do more precise work or or just the fact that it's you know big and hard to lug around and you know you you're not gonna like put that in your pocket right um so yeah how does it you know also what what does that item maybe make have a more difficult time with or does it complicate certain sorts of operations too, like your face in the crowd stunt, you know, you get plus two to stealth when you're in a crowd, but might that also come with the sort of thing where, um, maybe your maybe that character's physical appearances may be less memorable or something like that, where, um, you know, you, you, you could see where that might go as well. Yeah. Yeah. And you can certainly tie some of these things together and you know, I, I know we're getting a little on the episode. Uh, that's here, okay. We're just kind of we're going to be off this. next week anyway um, for yeah. for Thanksgiving. Okay. So if if this goes a little long, that's 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 okay. Well, that's starting to getting into a little bit of extras, and I kind of shy away from the topic of extras a lot uh, because I find a lot of people with fake core like super heavily gravitate to that extras chapter and want to use extras for like everything, and and I don't. And they think that that's like seem to think that's where the meat of the system is, and it's really not. Most games can get a fi- get away fine without using a single extra. 
Um, but I just look at extras mostly as like a way of combining multiple things that logically belong together, if that makes sense. So like, you know, in that case, you could have um, an extra that is like an inconspicuous appearance that would, and I don't know if you'd need to do this in this case, but it would combine, you know, that face in the crowd stunt or similar along with an aspect, you know, that was basically about your appearance is inconspicuous. And so in that case, an extra is just a box that you put other stuff in, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I, I think no. I think I'm getting it. And, you know, I think we've well explored this idea. Um, again, I think my, my biggest issue is just over, trying to overthink and, and, and quantify mm. everything. But it's yeah. the creation of consequence and aspect itself that I think is the driving force here and allowing equipment to simply expand as opposed to increase, if that makes sense. Right. You know, we're mm. not moving up or sure. moving out. Yeah. It's um, opening doors. We're opening doors and that's cool. I think that that works totally fine. And oh, it's the, it, it's a Metroidvania. Way yes. Yes. <laughs> you really you have the missile launcher, so now you can open the red doors. Right. Yeah. Um, and scale in Dresden Files Accelerated also has some interesting ideas about how to approach this kind of thing. Um, it's a little mechanics first, but it's it's still definitely worth worth talking about or looking at. And basically, what it works is you know you have different things that you do at different scales depending on what's going on. And I think some of this is because it is accelerated, so it is working off of uh, accelerated uh, approaches, which tend accelerated to Accelerated does have um, some interesting little differences. Like with uh, Fate Core, you have the skill list that we've gotten pretty familiar with at this point, where in Fate Accelerated, they, they do away with skills and instead... Uh, you have approaches. Um, so it's more about, right. it, it's not about what you're doing. It's uh, the kind of, um, I guess, how would you say it? The, like the attitude. It's the approach yeah. you're taking. I mean, you know. I think it's the approach you're taking to the problem. And anytime that, you know, you're naturally using the language that's used in the game, I think. Yeah, that that's nice. true. Like, are you taking a an aggressive approach? Are you taking a cautious approach? Right. That sort of. Um, those are what the approaches look like, and uh, that. Yeah, the I can look up the default ones for Fate Accelerate. They're like sneaky, quick, right. careful, forceful. Um, and I, 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 and there's a couple ways that people look at them. I typically, if I'm running Accelerator, running approaches in general. I use the approach based on the solution to the problem, not the action, if that makes oh, any sense. So mm-hmm. so some people argue that if I'm uh, picking a lock, I should be able to forcefully pick a lock because I'm like jamming the, the, the pick in, right? And I kind of zoom back. Why are you picking the lock? And my, well, you're, you're not, the picking the lock isn't really the solution right. or the problem. The problem is there's a, there's a locked door. What is the approach you're taking to the problem? Oh, and if you're picking the lock and if you're picking the lock, that's kind of a sneaky. It's just an inherently sneaky thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. If I am forcefully approaching the problem of a lock, break it down. I'm breaking Mm -hmm. something. I'm breaking the lock. I'm breaking down the door. I'm, I'm doing something like that. 
Um, and so I kind of zoom once. I like up. that. That's yeah. that's a cool way to think about that sort of thing. Oh, and of course, some people think I'm totally wrong on that. And you can totally, force <laughs> you know, hey, people have different <laughs> opinions. It's awesome. Yeah. In, in, uh, in God of War, uh, Kratos just punches chess. Yeah. I love <laughs> to, it. Yeah. To get into him. And there's this one part, I don't think this is like a big spoiler, but there's this one part where uh, Atreus tries to punch it. <laughs> He's like, ow. No. Oh, oh, my God. Why would you do that? Oh, it hurts so <laughs> he, much. And he can't get through. His um, hands all Kratos kind up. of epitomizes I cast punch. I cast punch. <laughs> cast punch. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know what? I find myself in a strange place where i don't have any questions i i feel like <laughs> whoa i know which means that i need to learn more right but it's uh i'm feeling very very confident that's really cool that is awesome like you, i want to know if you two have any questions we are we're starting yes. to get to the point where we're running out of time but um i want to hit any pressing questions that either of you might have before we wrap i I definitely um, want to throw this out out here to uh, everybody. Um, I definitely have really enjoyed. Uh, I, I think I can speak for all of us uh, to say that we have really enjoyed having you on the show, Tiana. Um, I know that mm-hmm. uh, next week. You've got a big thing going on. Uh, you're doing a 24-hour live stream over on the Quest and Chaos channel, right? Yes. Um, and the week after that, when uh, we would be kind of jumping back in, you are going to be going on a big uh, trip overseas. So uh, I am available on on the 4th. But I am oh. not available on the eleventh because the eleventh is when I'm flying off to Paris. Oh, so you've got you mm-hmm. you've got one more episode that uh, that you could be in. I do. Ooh, hooray! I thought you were leaving sooner than you are, so uh, I don't have to say any of this stuff yet. So, um, in that case, <laughs> do you have any fate related questions? <laughs> like Adam said, <laughs> y'all have to wait. Uh-huh. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, honestly, no, what, what what I really need to do is, is get in and start like playing the, the game and start running the game because I, yeah, I'm the kind of person where I think I get it conceptually, but I'm at the point where it's like, oh, the, 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 the concepts are are great, but I'm not going to be able to get much more just by talking about it. Yeah. I, I, I feel that because, I mean, that was like the entire writing of the book of Hans is like, OK, I read this. I'm going to play it. What? what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> OK, I got to got to make my brain work around this. OK, wrap, wrap, wrap. Oh, OK, cool. I got it now. And then another point. Wait, what? What? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I did that about 50 times. And like the I mean, the entire point of the book of Hans was to help people do it you know, maybe 20 times instead. Yeah. Yeah. It's, this is, it's, it's been, it's been extremely helpful. And, um, I, I love, I love what this little series has done. Um, and I'm, I, and I want to say thank you to, to the three of you for, for doing this with me. Cause this was something that was, really sparking my interest um and 
I feel like it's been so successful in that um, fate really does is, you know, we've said it a lot of times, but uh, you know, just the, the fact that it does things so differently from what we're typically used to and how it gets us to think differently. Um, I love it. I think it's, I think it's really fascinating and I think it gets us to look at how tabletop RPGs can, can really present experiences that are, that are utterly different from one another. You know, the experience you're going to get with D and D is different than what you're going to get with fate. The, the stories mm-hmm. you're going to tell the, the memories you'll have, um, mm-hmm. the, the ways that you are able to approach the challenges that your characters are faced with are utterly different. And I think it's, you know, it's like when you grow up, in a certain place and you've never really traveled. And especially as a kid, you really kind of get locked into this thinking that, Oh, you know, everywhere in the world is like where I am. And then you travel somewhere far away and you realize that there are, that things can be so incredibly different and it helps really expand your mind. And how you approach, you know, tabletop role playing as as an experience as a whole. Like, like uh, Adam, mm. I'm I've been curious about this from doing all the stuff that we've done through this Fate School series, and having learned what you've learned about how fate works and what fate encourages and does. Have you have you heard anything, uh, learned anything that that you feel would or will have a large impact on how you run your D and D games? Mm, yeah, um, you know we've played with the inspiration point mechanic before in, in a very successful way. Yes, we and, have, and I'm I'm considering. Do we expand that to, you know, um, doing something like a fate system where I don't just give you an inspiration point because you did a good, but because you took an L somewhere, because you tried to get one, you like actively are trying to get it. So then you can use it to do a thing. And, um, and even taking the rule of cool a little bit further and saying, can you basically just win by spending it? Mm. And would that, would that break the game? You know, I'm not sure either way, but I'm willing to try it because yeah. I want, I want the skill expression of D and D to feel more like something that players do have control over mm. um, where they can make calculated gains and losses. Um you know, like you really want to pass that saving throw because being stunned is your least favorite thing to do. Should I say you can't, even if you roll an inspiration point and then roll poorly again? Right. Because that feels really terrible. It does. Right? It doesn't mm-hmm. feel good. You know, maybe you should just say, I spent an inspiration point. Now I'm out. 
Um, that it'd be easier if I had players that wouldn't make up the idea that they have inspiration points all the time. Oh yeah. But, wow. <laughs> yeah. That happens every now and then. I'm like, I'm pretty sure you don't, but okay. You, you um, can keep it all on your end. Just yeah, be like, yeah, no, you I, don't. I can. I can. Um, so that's something I would bring. I mm. think is just trying to create more of a situation where the players are on my team. Yeah. And I already try to, to largely roll that way. Um, yeah, you do. I, I hope my players typically don't feel like I'm out to get them. Um, I think you go out of your way to make sure that they don't feel that, to be honest. Mm-hmm. I, right. You're, maybe, you're really good that much. Um, um, but it doesn't even have to be you doing it, right? I mean, sometimes it can be the dice yeah. that are out there. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. And the system is what yeah. the system is. And I and I totally don't begrudge a player who would be like, okay, I just missed two turns in the row, and now I rolled another one. Yeah. You know, I'm at this point, you know, I'm waiting half an hour for my turn. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm really getting tired of this. Can I just blow the inspiration point? I want to hit this guy. Yeah. You know what? You do. You just do. Yep. And I, w- and I wish I had done that more in a recent game I ran where I just said, okay, you blew the inspiration point. You, you achieve it. Yeah. Instead of having them roll and then still fail and then having them get super frustrated. Yeah. So, I mean, it, really, I, it seems like it comes down to like, you know, almost anything to keep the, to keep the good vibes going, you know, it's yeah. like not necessarily yeah. so you can always win, because challenge and loss should definitely still be a part of things mm-hmm. for sure. But right. yeah, you Being know, able to opt into that loss is a huge it is. amount of control for a player that can really cut down on, on, on frustration. Even if it's what I prefer, which is, yeah, you're opting into the loss. You, or I would almost say you can opt out of the loss, but you can't always opt right. out. Right. You're right. You can't always, but you. But even in fate, you do concede battle, right? And I, I can right. almost see a player going, "Okay, I just got knocked out for the second or third time in this combat. I would like to concede combat on my end, my personal end, right? Yeah. So my character is just knocked yeah. out. They're not available, no matter how much healing they get, right? And mm. and yeah. then that way, it's like, okay, GM, you can't kill me. Yeah. But and I get an inspiration point. Like, I don't know. That's just one idea off the top of my head. But I think one of the big takeaways I've gotten from these classes is that maybe we should just let systems be what they are. Yeah. Um, and yeah. maybe I, I need to stop no. trying to make fate D&D and I, maybe I don't need to make D&D fate. Right. And, yeah. Uh, sure. But I don't know. I also like screwing with systems. So maybe I'm full of crap. Yeah. <laughs> if he- yeah. I, I think screwing. I think screwing systems is great. I just think, you know, understand what you're doing and why you're doing it and what impact you think it's going to have and be, you know, aware for the, the unintended side effects. I had some friends that actually took fate and uh, grafted it onto Pathfinder. Oh, interesting. And what they really did is they just, they just added aspects. They added most of the fate point transactions and they just slapped it straight on Pathfinder. And they, I mean, I didn't play it but they seem to think it worked pretty well. That's cool. So, I mean, there are definitely things where you can add things and, and do that kind of crazy grafting. But I do think, like, you know, I agree with you that, you know, I don't want to mess with the system too much because, you know, fate does certain things well. And I'd be afraid that if I start trying to D&Dify it too much, 
it wouldn't do the things that I wanted to do well. It's going to change that focus. It's going to change that emphasis, right? And same thing with D and D. If if I had, if I had too much faith in there, is it gonna is it gonna deprioritize you know the kind of the skill, the challenge, you know, overcoming kind of things that D and D does, where now it's dominated by oh, I can spend points to get out of stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Well, there's only one way right. to find out is to <laughs> do it. It and speaking of Speaking of which, I'm hoping that for because uh, I'm I'm feeling like the next one's our last one, right? Yeah, and it kind of feels feel that way. I would really like to just play. I think that we just okay. play the game and we answer questions that way. And if we have questions in the middle of play, obviously we can address them. But the I think sure. Tiana is right. The best way to learn going forward is to do. Yeah, I like I like that idea. Okay, so I'm going to ask you this. Do one of you want to run? I have my finger on my nose. None of you can see it. My fingers um, on my nose. <laughs> Tiana, no, sorry. I, you know, honestly, uh, I, I honestly like. There's a part of me that would like to, but also there's the rest of me that's like, I'm getting ready to go to Europe. I do not have the brain space <laughs> with all the things that I have to do before I go to Europe to try and do something that's worthy of being recorded. Andrew, it's you, man. There, there's, I, it's not. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, honestly, I at the at the very least, I would just love the uh, the experience of um, having Mr. Rob GM for us one more time, just because this sure. this experience has been really really cool, and um, I think having you know the man himself running the show Aww. is uh is really cool it's not an experience that um that a lot of us often get and true, true. uh you know i i want to i want to take advantage of it man yeah that's a good point cool yeah i just thought it'd be fun to have one of you one of y'all run and then you know with me kind of playing as well as being there to give you know on the fly coaching well wait a second what do i do here how does mm. this work what do i do or you know preferably not even have to at all because you know y'all have just nailed it so well. Uh, you know, do we want to? If you'd rather, have yeah, I think we do. do. Should we just use okay. our same characters? Yeah. Or okay. we can do that. It's it's all up to you. We could use the same characters if you want to do something else. We can do something else. Probably do quick characterization if we do something else or or do something right. offline. But yeah, whatever. We'll we'll coordinate that. Yeah. And figure it out. Right on. Right all on. Right. So Andrew, I think we got it. Tiana, any last thoughts? Uh. Play, have fun. <laughs> okay. Take us away, Andrew. All right. Everybody, thank you for hanging out with us. Oh, my goodness. Why is my recording seems like it's going really fast here? I don't know why that's happening. Oh, okay. Maybe I just zoomed in. You can um, have chipmunk voice. Oh, my God. <laughs> I freaked out for a second. It's like my monitor just disconnected. Right as you were saying, take it away. I'm like, uh, the stuff on my screen just moved all over the place. I don't know what to do. Um, so before we wrap, I actually wanted to do one more thing. Um, as we are coming up on Thanksgiving, I think that it is, uh, I yes. think that it is important for, um, for all of us to, you know, to, Remember attitude of gratitude, attitude of gratitude. That's right. And, uh, you know, 
the the past couple of years have been pretty crazy. There's been a lot of stuff going on in the world and it can be very easy to to get tired and exhausted, burnt out. Like it's uh there are a lot of times recently where stuff is not always easy. Um and I think it's important to to remain or to actively remember things to be grateful for. Um, so I definitely want to say how grateful I am for all of you um, for the opportunity to be able to do not only this series, but this show. Um, and I'm also very grateful for our patrons who so generously, you know, help and help make it even more worth our while to do this show. And, you know, just, just the fact that you guys have, um, have the faith that you do in us and, uh, that, that you enjoy what we have to put out there enough to throw a few bucks our way. Um, it's, it's very humbling and it's very flattering. Uh, it makes us feel really good. You know, you're, you're giving us that secret ingredient of love that makes our gaming sphere and dare I say it, our world go round. Um, so it, it means a lot to me. Um, so I want to say thank you for that. Um, and I will open the floor to anyone else who may have gratitudes they would like to express. So I, I guess I'll jump in and I'll, I'll second everything you just said. Uh, but to, to add on to it, we've had some fantastic guests on the show. Oh yes. Two of which are in this, uh, call with us. And so we really appreciate you a lot. We've had some, um, some really great guests, uh, throughout our time. And, and to that end, I also want to do a special shout out to Spike, um, who has done a lot to set up a lot of those meetings, including things with like guy and with uh, Sly Flourish. Um, and I'm very grateful for that. 100%. And also, Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday. Oh, it's my wife's um, too. And I think it is totally underplayed. And I am not thankful for the people that put Christmas decorations up way too early. <laughs> yeah. And they skip out on the good stuff. The day after Thanksgiving, that's when decorations should happen. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Give it some time. All right. I mean, two days after, because I'm still in church. Oh, okay, that's fair. After, so that, that's mean, true. You know, <laughs> got to get out of that. Got to get out of that uh, food holiday. Coma. Yeah. Uh, also really grateful for Elden Ring. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. That tracks. Um, I, I am also grateful for, for FromSoft. Uh, you know, I, say, no. <laughs> uh, I Really, I'm super grateful that you all reached out to me, and I'm grateful to, to, for the honor of being on, the, on this podcast. And getting to meet y'all, you've been wonderful collaborators and, you know, dare I say friends. And you know, I'll allow it. I hope this is the beginning of a relationship that, that, that you know, I, I certainly don't want this to end when uh, this collaboration ends because you all are wonderful people. And I'm grateful oh, that you're in oh, lives. That's, that's a awesome. secret ingredient, everybody. A new aspect. Friends with Rob. Friends with Rob. Yay! <laughs> Achievement unlocked. <laughs> 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 invoke it a lot. 
Can I just have the Aztec You're gonna invoke doll? it a lot. That is that is the most nerdy ass way to, and it's freaking perfect. That was terrific. I love it. Y'all, we're such nerds. Totally, we we wear our nerdiness on our sleeves. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you for that, Rob. Yeah. That was very sweet, and I I'm definitely feeling all warm and fuzzy inside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I'll fourth that, I guess. Um, you better. Like, I, <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, I haven't been in TTRPGs for very long, as far as like actual years go. I only really started getting into it about five years ago, but it has quickly become one of the places where I meet some of the best people in my life, where I've had some of the most amazing emotional experiences, Um, you know, really big emotional experiences, good and bad, Mm. like it's, which is important. I think there's a certain amount of uh, the old idea, the old Greek idea of catharsis. Mm, Right. Yeah. Mm. And I am extremely grateful for that. Um, I don't talk about it a whole lot, but you mentioned the charity live stream that yeah. we're, we're doing. We're benefiting the uh, American Foundation for Suicide Prevention. Oh, wow. And um, for me, especially during the worst of the pandemic, TTRPGs were part of what kept me alive oh, during man. part of it because I was uh, very alone and having a very difficult time. Mm. So, mm. uh TTRPGs and the people that I know through it very literally was life-saving several times. So, uh, yeah, I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the people that I know and love because of it. And, you know, grateful to be here. You know, that's, that's really amazing. And I'm, I'm glad that, um, that you had those people around you to, to help you through that. Cause you know, everybody, it's really easy to 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 feel alone and to feel like, oh, there's, you know, whatever I'm experiencing, I'm the only one who is experiencing this and ever has experienced yeah. this. And, you know, I I'm the hero to my own story. And, you know, it, <laughs> it's this this weird thing where a lot of us just kind of naturally can, you know, you can feel like the world revolves around you because you are in your own head all the time. Um, and, and, and once you get into that spiral, it, especially when yep. you feel very alone, it's hard to pull out of yep. it. And um, yeah. I'm, I'm really glad that you had people around you to help support you and make sure that you remember that you weren't alone and that we are all, you know, as trite as it is to say nowadays, you know, we, we are all in this together. And, um, you know, as, as Adam has said many times, you know, sometimes it can sound really cheesy, but our whole motto on this show is the secret ingredient is love. And we, you know, we, we struggle with that sometimes and it can be easy to forget sometimes, but really, you know, when we love each other and we love the thing or things that we do and, um, and we love ourselves and Mm -hmm. care about you know what what we're putting out into the world and what we're contributing to the people around us and all that um it just it just makes things better putting putting love and putting empathy 
and care and all those things into whatever you do, well, it can help get you outside yourself and help you to see things in a completely different way, which I feel like this, you know, this little mini series that we uh, that we're getting close to closing up with with fate school you know that's it's almost a an aspect of uh, of that kind <laughs> of a microcosm like just the importance and value of looking at something you maybe thought you understood differently and seeing the value that can come from that because it's really i mean this this has been incredible this whole experience has been has been amazing um yeah. and tiana i'm i'm really thrilled that you were here for it that that you could be here and be with us and uh experience this with us because um you you brought a lot to the virtual table that we kind of created here and um i wouldn't have wanted to do it without you and i am i i I was so i was over the moon when you reached out to me (laughs) about it because i i it's a system that i've wanted to learn for a while anyway and i was super excited that you're doing that you're doing Mm faith school and i was like oh my god i can't wait to listen to that and then to get to be part of it in this way was something that i didn't even imagine so i'm just absolutely over the moon well i'm glad that uh that we could do that for you um Anything else anybody wants to wants to throw in if you're feeling like your your heart is bubbling away and you want to talk more, go for it. I, I, I feel like uh, I can't take any more sweet. Otherwise, I'm going to literally get diabetes. You want that pecan <laughs> um, pie, baby? <laughs> I, I'm t- I'm oh, yeah. Does the good stuffing though also my my wife makes fresh cranberry sauce with like some orange zest and it absolutely kills it absolutely slaps Mm. and uh if nothing like grateful for her and her cranberry ability to make all the yummies (laughs) oh yeah Um, does does any let's call it man let's go we gotta go I don't gotta do I, nothing. Uh, I'm a, I love you, Andrew. I'm a grown so ass much. man, and you can't make me do anything. You're no. not my You're real not dad. My real dad. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay, one last parting thought. The rule, <laughs> the rule for Thanksgiving is always more gravy. That's yes. the rule. Mm. How much gravy should we have? More, more yes. gravy. Um. So. All that stuff having been said, we he, and boy howdy was it, it said. sure was, and that's how <laughs> we roll. Um, we here at Inspiration Point want to wish you all a very happy Thanksgiving and um, tell you to enjoy your time with the folks you love. Or if you're not getting together with anybody, uh, you know, maybe you're having a holiday hate, in, you know, whatever. <laughs> Whatever, you know, enjoy some time on your own. Maybe go hit the movies. Just relax. Take some time for yourself. Do a little self-care, you know. Um, Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Yes. So 
Even if that means hanging out on the couch and playing God of War Ragnarok. Which is what I'm trying to wrap this show up. And that's there it is. Um, um, Tiana, you mean especially if it means sitting on the couch. That's why I'm trying to drag it out. I'm trying to drag it out because I'm bitter because I can't. Um, There it is. This is just jealousy speaking over and over. All right. Now we've definitely ended on the right note. That's right. (laughs) <laughs> All right, everybody. We are thankful for you. We love you. And we will be off next week. And then we will be back the week after. And just remember that in that time, stay inspired. Bye. 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 And that was beautiful. 